what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. This podcast is sponsored by the 2019 Foot Candle Film Festival. This year's festival will be held September 27th through the 29th in Hickory, North Carolina. Learn more by visiting footcandlefilmfestival.com. Foot Candle Films. Film news and reviews from two guys who really like movies. This episode is brought to you by the Foot Candle Film Society. For a schedule of upcoming screenings and membership information, visit the Society's website at www.footcandle.org. Hello and welcome to Foot Candle Films here on TheMesh.tv. My name is Alan. I am a co-director, co-founder of the Foot Candle Film Society and the Foot Candle Film Festival. Across the table from me is Chris, also co-founder, co-director, Foot Candle Film Society. Foot Candle Film Festival. It's quite the quite the title, quite the I just, ID for me there. It's Chris yes. Ditto. Sorry. <laughs> uh, Chris and I have been uh, running the Foot Candle Film Society for about 11 years now, I believe. Uh, right about that time. Is that uh, right? I think so. Okay. Yeah. And then doing the film festival for coming up on our fifth year. Fifth year. Right. This fall. We'll mention that a little bit later in the show. But let's get on to what we really do uh, during our show here on this podcast, and that is talk about movies. We have a couple of reviews that we give of, of newer films, films that are either in the theaters or possibly ones that have just become available online that we want to review and bring your attention to and talk about. We'll move into a couple of news items about some future movie projects, things that have not happened yet, but we're keeping our eyes on, or maybe as I like to call this particular episode's news segment, <laughs> the uh, WTF section, the what section, because both of the news items I've got are a little surprising to me, ones that I awesome. would not have predicted, and I would like to get your takes on them as well. So, so I guess we're talking about how the previews of Aladdin, they say it's like a lock for best picture. Is that? What? <laughs> yeah, that would be one of those. Okay. Um, no, no, it won't be an Abby. These two are, are generally, one of them we've discussed for a while. Okay. It's been an ongoing topic, but there's now some resolution to it. The second one is completely out of left field, and I'm still not quite sure how to read it. So, um, so that'll be our new section. So stay tuned for that after the reviews, and then we'll finish up the show with our recommendations of the episode where Chris and I both recommend a film that we feel like is worth your time checking out. Either it could be an old film, could be a more recent one, something you can find online, whatever it may be. We want to recommend something for you at the end of the episode. But Chris, we're going to do our two reviews first. We are reviewing two films. Uh, the first one we'll talk about is uh, Gloria Bell, directed by Sebastian Lalo and starring Julianne Moore. And then we're going to discuss a film that is available online. I uh, didn't get a huge theatrical run, and we'll discuss whether that was warranted or not. And the film was Serenity, starring Matthew McConaughey and... Uh, Anne Hathaway. Anne Hathaway. I just completely drew a blank. I'm not using my notes like I should be in front of me here. Yes, <laughs> Anne Hathaway. So we'll talk about that film in a little bit after uh, the first review. So, Chris, we got a full show. Let's jump right into it. You ready to go? Let's do it. All right. Our first review is the latest film starring Julianne Moore as a free-spirited woman in her 50s as she seeks out love in L.A. dance clubs. It is Gloria Bell. If you were water, I'd be a glass. If you were a foot, I'd be a sock. <laughs> Can't get you out of my head. This woman is awesome. 
freedom. Treat her right. Respect her. He calls me every five minutes. Don't pick it up. I won't. Well, when the world blows up, I hope I go down dancing. Chris, as I said on the setup, Gloria Bell, starring Julianne Moore, is a film about a free-spirited woman. She's in her 50s, uh, gone through divorce, uh, has children, uh, but she is still seeking out love. And part of the way she does that is by going and frequenting some L.A. dance clubs. Now, Chris, Julianne Moore is currently one of my, I, I think she's one of my favorite current working actresses. Okay. Okay. Um, not saying actress of all time, but just in one, you know, in the last 15, 20 years, her body of work has been pretty impressive. I mean, she puts out a lot of films. She does. And some of them are some of my favorite films. Actually, she uh, got really recognized, I think, in Boogie Nights. Right. Big Lebowski, Magnolia, all films I love. And, uh, you know, an actor like, like her, typically you have that one defining role in your career where it's like, that's kind of what you're known for. It's a film that it's all, you're in every every scene. You know, you kind of have that that really big meaty part that you know, people associate with you. Right. The thing with Julianne Moore is she's actually had, I think, several. I mean, I think she's had several films that people kind of really think about as being a really great performance by her. Uh, she was in The Hours alongside... Uh, um, Nicole Kidman and really uh, did a great job with that. Far from Heaven, a film she did that got a lot of acclaim, and then she got nominated and I think won Best Actress for uh, Still Alice. Yeah, I was I was gonna throw that out. I don't know. She's definitely she nominated. didn't win. I don't know if she won or not. Okay, she, but I, she was definitely nominated and Still Alice. Yeah, pretty yeah. amazing. Well, there again, that's a that's the kind of performance people look at and say, wow, she really that movie was all her, sure. and she put in just an award winning performance. Now. Here we have Gloria Bell. It's gotten some acclaim. It's got a lot of recognition for her performance. But Chris, my question is to you. Does Gloria Bell work thanks to Mrs. Miss Moore, to Julianne Moore? Does it work because of her? Does it work in spite of her? Or does it just not work? So that's my questions to you. Um, well, uh, when we watched this film with our film society, you threw out a little tidbit of knowledge that you haven't thrown in the show yet, but I'll go ahead and throw it out there. Because mm-hmm. um, it was interesting to me, this movie is basically a remake. Yes. And um, so the director had already made this movie, and he was a fan of Julianne Moore's, apparently he approached her, and she was like, okay, yeah, you got nominated for, or won an Oscar for a Fantastic Woman, that film was good. Sure, let's redo this. I'll be in the title role. I think she's maybe a producer on she it as is. well. Mm-hmm. Okay, so three minutes. So I can't say that it works. It because I mean, she definitely she definitely works in the film. Um, but could it work without her? Well, apparently it already has in another language in another country. Haven't seen the film. Apparently that one was just called Gloria, and this one is Gloria Bell. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I think the film definitely works with her performance. I mean, she is almost seemingly in every frame of the film. She does a good job. Um, but I, I think it, so it definitely is not the third option. Doesn't work at all. Okay. It's just the balance between the first two. I can't say that it's only because of her performance that I it see. works. Yeah. Um, it's a pretty significant portion because just, she is in every frame mm-hmm. that it does work. But, um, and we can talk about her performance. Um, I thought it was good. Um, I think she played, you know, you don't see a lot of, 
you see a lot of movies that examine divorce when it's happening or finding a new love, but never quite like this. And it Mm -hmm. seemed to be more uh, realistic in nature and Mm -hmm. not trying to go for typical Hollywood beats, I guess I would say. It's it's not a romance movie. It's not a, you know, following a relationship that you hope is going to survive. It's a, you know, it, it is more of a slice of life. Right. Almost to the point where you, you get the impression from watching her performance and what the stages of relationship she's go that she goes through. This is a cycle she's been through before. So she's a little more hardened to it. She's a little more, she knows how to respond in some of these situations a little bit more. And she knows how to pick herself back up when things don't go well. So, uh, I, I think it's an interesting slice of life. Um, I'll get to my concerns in a little bit. And I'll agree <laughs> with you about Julianne Moore. I think Julianne Moore I actually probably maybe even a little higher on her performance. I think it's an extremely strong performance. I okay. think uh very, very fascinating to watch. I thought she she knew this character. She she put it up on the screen. It was uh, really, really strong. Okay. For me, that was that's the movie that's the reason you want to watch this film, personally. For it's me. For her performance. Okay. Uh, I can't say there's much else outside of her performance that really worked for me as much, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Wow. Um but what else about the film? What else worked for you? What else outside of her performance? Well, yeah, her performance is one. Um, there were moments of, let's say, family realism. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You mentioned slice of life, but I'm going to call it specifically with this film, family realism mm-hmm. that I appreciated. There's a scene of Michael Sarah plays her son mm-hmm. and he, you know, people criticize him all the time that he's playing Michael Sarah. Okay, well, he's playing Michael Sarah in this movie, but the part that he's supposed to be playing of this angsty, cranky, stay-at-home dad, I thought was really funny, but also kind of, you know, it's sad because he's like venting against his mom. And I really enjoyed the scenes with him and the interaction with her. And it wasn't overdone. I feel like it was just the right amount. So that was something that I really, mm. I really liked. Don't think you're on the same page with that from the uh, <laughs> facial expressions you're making. Yeah. Mm. So that was one. No, no, a- I, 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 let me go ahead and interject because it is related sure. to that. I am on board. I thought those were some of the best moments of the film. I just felt like they were very underused characters. And I felt like the family members and some of the situations surrounding Gloria were really, really interesting. And I felt like there needed. I, I felt like the film didn't know what to do with those, and just kind of threw them out there for brief moments, and then everything kind of forgot about those the, the other characters and other storylines that we could be following. Again, I get the slice of life style, but it was disappointing for me because I really did like the scenes with Michael Sarah. I liked the scenes with her daughter and the uh, relationship she was exploring. I liked the interesting things going on with her ex husband in that situation. It's just none of those I felt like really got fleshed out enough to make them contribute to the film as a whole as mm-hmm. much. So anyway, just had to interject there while you're on that. Yeah, that I, I, and I, I, I actually enjoyed the fact that there were all these different pieces that didn't – some threads are left open, some threads are closed. And I, okay. I actually really liked that. Um, right. So going on the whole family thing I was yeah, talking about. Sure. So there was the, interaction, or the interactions with Michael Sarah, like you just mentioned, the daughter – um, mm-hmm. and the daughter has like a party and people are all there. The ex-husband's there. Her new boyfriend that Julianne Moore has is there. 
and she mentions that her daughter's pregnant and the kind of the fallout from that. Cause mm-hmm. apparently nobody else knew just, and the way that's handled just so like, and the character of Gloria Bell in that moment, she's just kind of says it. And then her reaction and how she handles kind of like the oops, like you know, kind mm-hmm. of that whole social awkwardness, man, just so well done. And not, I mean, not played for laughs is kind of funny, but then it's also really kind it's of also sad. A little sad and yeah. just, I mean, just so the balance there. I, I really, I really liked. Um, and you're talking about also, which plays a bigger part into the relationship that she is mm-hmm. building with John Turturro. What happens at that dinner party with him? I thought the way that was played was also, um, was also well done. I think the thing is for me, there were a lot of, themes going on and it didn't really resolve any it was very slice of life and i guess because you had actually seen the movie prior to me watching it mm-hmm. and you were kind of like well you know it was okay and so mm-hmm. i went in with low expectations which is always amazing to go into a it's movie what i'm going to do every month for you now <laughs> i'm just going to like downplay mm-hmm. the film before you see it so you have the lowest expectations going so you go have a really enjoyable right. experience with every film going forward well, and I, I i mean i i did i really liked it and i guess um for many too, I think, you know, this movie just happened to hit me when it was going to work for me um, because it is an hour and 42 minutes. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really have, I mean, it does have a plot in that, you know, she's single, she meets this guy, relationship starts, and then you follow that. That is kind of the one through line is this mm-hmm. relationship with John Turturro. But there's a lot of other stuff going on. And I don't know, I think for a lot of people, they would say it's too slow there's not enough of a plot. It's not flowing correctly. But, you know, sometimes when you walk into a movie and it's a slice of life and maybe you're not tired, <laughs> I don't know, yeah. it, it just kind of works for you. So Gloria Bell actually worked for me a lot better than I thought it would. And, uh, you know, Julianne Moore's performance, yeah, probably a lot to do with that. But um, also I enjoyed a lot of the supporting performances. So, yeah. And, you know, something else, which goes to Moore's performance, several scenes – of her singing out loud in the car mm-hmm. <laughs> and just how real that felt because all these random things that she seems to do because it's who she's trying to build her personality mm. to be, you know, going out dancing, singing in a car by herself, um, being a supportive friend to a coworker mm-hmm. at work and maybe actually building up the coworker at work because she feels like it's a role she has to play, but she's kind of faking it because she needs somebody to help her in that way. And, and that's a little bit of the impression I got. I, I, I struggled with what the film was ultimately trying to do. Ah. That was kind of my big question. And not that I need a film to spell out or go and, and have some profound thing that it's trying to communicate. But I really struggled with trying to understand what it is I was meant to get from this film. What are we as the viewers meant to get? And it just, it was a, it's a gap for me. Um, you know, is it to say that life after divorce is hard? Is it to say relationships are hard? It is to say family, managing family members is hard. Is it that Gloria is putting on this persona because, and trying to affect other people around her because she desperately needs that for herself? It's a lot of things that I, I think you could argue answer yes to all of those maybe, but I just don't feel like the film did enough to really help me see what the director was ultimately wanting us to see. I guess that's my question with it. And, and, and seeing these little great 
small scenes with these these great supporting characters were so good and the the realism of the film was so good the performances were all really strong i just felt like at the end of the day i just didn't know what it added up to so that was kind of my takeaway on it um I mean, and again i'm not arguing slice of life films i love films that sometimes just are a fly on the wall to watch what's happening but i normally feel like i can at least walk away with something that I grabbed from it that, that worked for me. And here I just, I had a more difficulty doing that. So. Yeah. And it's weird. Cause it's like, I kind of had the complete opposite experience. Cause I can, okay. I can keep throwing out scenes. I've already thrown out some that like there's a scenes with a cat. I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> oh yeah. The cat was I awesome. thought that was amazing. Um, there's a scene with, uh, her name is Gloria. That song that everybody knows by Laura Branigan or whatever that Gloria, Gloria, there's a scene with that where she does sing that in addition to going out on a dance floor and kind of how that all plays out Mm -hmm. and her reactions to it and her wavering um, excitement about going out on the dance. Like Mm -hmm. that was just so like so well handled and said so much. And I feel like they're just all these scenes I can keep pointing out all these different scenes. So to me, obviously they add up to being successful. I I will say one other like I will give, and you, you just mentioned it. I do think the ending of the film, probably the last 10 minutes or so, are great. Um, Honestly, it redeemed so much of the film for me at the ending, where by the time we were getting close to the ending, I'm like, okay, I'm really having a hard time grabbing a hold of this film, like really feeling like it's connecting with me. The last 10 minutes definitely redeemed a good bit of it for me because I did – I love the way it ended. It's at a – wedding reception and there's some interactions a, a quick interaction that I thought was very telling about where the character is now at the end of the film and where it could have been so cliche to have this person hearing the song Gloria play overhead and right. you kind of get the feeling that maybe there's going to be dancing going and yeah there is but the dancing is so it works because mm-hmm. it tells you where her where she is now versus where she was at the beginning of the film so Correct. I do give it that so yeah Overall, I, I think the film was was good. I just it it was tough for me to connect to it. Hmm. Yeah, I just I struggled with trying to find where where the film was wanting to go with me. Well, so. let's talk a little bit about because we haven't addressed this. Although I threw out that it's kind of the main through line of the movie. What was your take on the whole relationship with John Turturro, and what did you make of that? How did you think it was portrayed? What, so I, I I was really engaged in that relationship, and I guess there again I, I'm I'm trying to trying to understand what it is I I was meant to get from that. Um, I thought it was really interesting. I thought it did play against expectations Mm -hmm. the whole way through. Like, you know, and there's a question mark as opposed to (laughs) John Turturro, what's actually going on in some aspects. And that's the, that's the gap for me. Amazing. And the fact that that is that way and that didn't come out until, and I don't want to ruin anything because spoiler territory, but that came out in our discussion after the film. And, I'm actually heavily on. You're board okay with, not knowing any more about it, so. Well, I think I I think there is enough there that yeah. I, I think I know what the deal is. And See, that's another one of those fascinating points where it's like, yeah, I kind of want to, I kind of want to understand a little more of that, oh. and you know, it, it, it worked. It it still worked for me as it as it was presented in the film, but it, it's another one of those areas where I just don't feel like it, it just didn't add up to a total some picture for me with that all interesting things, honestly. And, and again, I think I've said this with other films and I, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but this is the type of film where 
I would love to see a, a series around these families, these relationships, these, these people, because I think there's so much there that could go on that can create a total picture of the dynamics of living in a mixed, uh, multi-relationship, multi-marriage, you know, family situation that I think is really fascinating. Yeah. I think the film gave us enough to be enticing, but I just don't know if the film gave me enough personally. Hmm. So, well, since I've been, you know, touting all the wonderful things about Gloria Bell, let me actually list some of my misgivings. Cause that, I do, I don't think it's a perfect film. I do have, I do have some, the first is the music for me was all over the place. Yeah. It and was. I understand when they're in the club, they had, it was very much, it was like, she went to clubs that were kind of targeting people in her age range because they were playing like disco songs or older, like seventies music. So even though it was current day, so it's mm. like, you know, it's trying to show you that these are like, you know, hangout clubs for maybe older single people. Or right. whatever. Um, that's not what I had a problem with. What I had a problem with was I felt like it was almost like Blade Runner esque type music that they were playing. Other times they were like highly synthesizer. And I was just yeah. like, well, it was like we were going to veer into science fiction territory or something. I was like, what, what, what's going on? Um, I don't know. I, I just don't know. That is a case of, I felt like I knew what the director was going for over the entire rest of the movie, but with those music cues, that really kind of threw me off. Yeah. And if that's what he was going for, cool. I guess maybe to make me feel unsettled, like she was feeling unsettled because she doesn't know what she's doing with her life. Maybe I'm being a little bit too gracious. But, yeah, but, I don't know. But the the music mm-hmm. was kind of confusing. It was, a little, for me. it was a little odd for choices for the film. Yeah, I, I felt like it was. Um, yeah. And something else which also didn't really work for me. Um, one too many sex scenes mm-hmm. um, for me. Not that, you know, I get it, you know, it's to, it's kind of unusual, kind of good for a, you know, 50 plus year old woman. They show it in a movie. It's a Hollywood movie. They still show them nude and having, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, they're still humans. They're still, you know, oh, yeah. it, you know, it's not like they're just showing 20 somethings or something. I get that. But I felt like it was a little bit too in your face with it. I felt like mm-hmm. it was like, I, I get it. They're still adults. They're still trying to have a relationship and everything, yeah. but I feel like it could have been, hmm. could have been dialed down a little okay. bit. Um, I don't know something about it. I felt like maybe it was just just a little much, um, and that could have helped with runtime because actually some of the dance scenes too. I get it; she's going around to clubs, but with the exception of the Gloria dance mm-hmm. at the end mm-hmm. and the dance scene she has in the beginning, I felt like they could have been could have been tightened up. Um, mm-hmm. And instead of an hour forty, you could have lost like you know ten or fifteen minutes there. But you know that's me. I'm always lobbying for the shorter <laughs> film. So Chris likes the shorter films. I do. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. I, I, I'm with you on the music. Um, the other, other items didn't bother me as much, so didn't notice that as much. Uh, you know, again, I, and I don't want to come across like I feel like I, I didn't care for this film. I, there are a lot of great things about the film. It, it Just as a whole, it didn't work. But individual elements I thought were really great. So okay. uh, it did tie together for you, and I'm, I'm glad it did because – you know, you want a film to work for people and, you know, if it doesn't work for everybody, that's okay. This film just didn't work as that whole picture. However, I do recommend it, especially if you, if you enjoy watching Julianne Moore perform, she's very, very good. If the slice of life type of approach to storytelling 
works for you and the the demographics that we're talking about with the characters and kind of their where they are in their life at the moment sounds like something of interest then yes i think there's a lot to kind of picture get from the film um but i don't know we'll have to i'll, have to, I'll be curious to see other people's reaction to it um limited theatrical release not getting a lot of screenplay but again i think that kind of unfortunately is the case with uh, a lead actress, you know, playing someone in her fifties and it, uh, going for a demographic that obviously is older, unfortunately doesn't, uh, plays in as many movie screens these days as, as we would like for them to. So, all right. Anything else to share on it? Uh, no, no, that's, I mean, kind of along the lines of what you said, uh, I can see the pacing maybe being problematic from some along mm-hmm. the slice of life, but, uh, Morstern is Morstern is impressive, and I could see it possibly squeaking in being nomination worthy at the end of the year for her performance. Yeah, I would not be I would not be opposed to that. I think it'd be a great uh, recognition because again, I do think she's really really strong in this. So sure. that's great. Well, that's Gloria Bell, uh, directed by Sebastian Leo, who, as Chris mentioned, it, it, the film is a remake, and it was a remake of Sebastian's own film uh, from Chile, I believe, uh, called Gloria. So. That is uh, should be out online, I would say, fairly soon after a quick limited release run in the theaters. Um, great. That's Gloria Bell. So now let's move on to our second review. And we are going to be talking about the Matthew McConaughey and Hathaway film Serenity. Please don't kill that man. What? I will give you $10 million. Drop my husband in the ocean for the sharks. There's right and wrong, heaven and hell. Some weird stuff going on right now. This whole island's a part of it, but nobody knows it. Okay, John, you want the truth? You don't. From director Stephen Knight, who gave us Locke, starring Tom Hardy, driving a car for 90 minutes, comes Serenity. This noirish thriller stars Matthew McConaughey playing fishing boat captain Baker Dill. Baker Dill. Whose quiet existence is threatened when his ex-wife Karen, played by Anne Hathaway, tracks him down with a desperate plea for help. Now, to continue my introduction, I'm going to go to... uh, guy on Letterboxd, Josh Lewis, he had described the film this way. I've tweaked it a little bit to avoid spoilers, but it'll help round out my setup nicely. At least I think so. Josh writes, this is exclusively for people that watch movies and are like, man, I wish there was more Matthew McConaughey drunkenly yelling about tuna, a rock, and sucking on Anne Hathaway's chin. There are quite a few screens, screams and line deliveries that would make Nick Cage proud Scattered throughout this very pro-rom, pro-butt, pro-murder, hoot-and-holler cinema gem, <laughs> this is as pure a piece of nonsense screenwriting as one could hope for in their life. Alan, would mm-hmm. you agree with Josh that this is a hoot-and-holler cinema gem? Um, okay. It's <laughs> a lot to unpack there. No, I, I'm not going to argue that. I, I do think it's a... Bad film for reasons I will discuss in a little bit. And the thing that probably keeps it, the thing that really I think damages it even more is that it's not bad enough for it to be a, uh, let's get a bunch of people together and watch a bad movie together and oh, just have so much man. fun with it. No, I don't think you it's, and I are not on the same page with this. <laughs> I, I don't think, no, I think it's that bad. I just don't think, unfortunately, 
it tries too hard to take itself so seriously when it could have really it could have really gone full tilt with its premise, which we got to decide how spoilerly we're going to get with this. Okay. I feel like we should just spoil it personally. Well, let's see how much we can say about it okay. without. Right. And then well, sure. Let's, I mean, I think we're going to have to, I mean, my whole argument has to do with well, logic the, and I can't talk about the logic sure. of this film without. Well, here's the thing. Let's it. talk a little bit and we'll go ahead and say that we're going to, we will go into spoiler territory because here's the thing we can just openly agree on. I think because this is the Alan actually brought this film to me and said, Hey, let's pay, let's watch this and review. Cause we were looking for a movie to pair yeah. with Gloria Bell. He's like, Hey, I want to watch Serenity. I'm like, okay. I remember that mm-hmm. being at the big theater for like a week. People were ragging on how bad it was. It has like 29% rotten tomatoes or something, but it's got Matthew McConaughey and Hathaway. Sure. Yeah. Okay. There is, let's call it a twist. And it is bonkers, which is what you had heard of. And you went ahead and went online and spoiled the twist for yourself. So yeah, you yeah. Know I didn't in, think I would watch this. You know, so. going, you knew going in yeah. what everything was going to be. Did. I did not. Yes. And I think right there, that's actually the enjoyment of this film. I, so I, I agree. If you, if you want to watch a bonkers like film that I, in my opinion, is so bad, it's good. Then do not listen to the rest of our review and skip forward to where we're going to talk about the news. I love that we're going to argue about who thinks this film is worse. Is it bad or right, so bad it's good? But, but if right. somebody is wanting to see something, it's just kind of because, yeah, I'll skip ahead to my summary of the entire film. This is the perfect film to pick up at Redbox, have a couple of friends over, have pizza, have beer and watch it. And actually you watch it first and then have them over and watch it again and just watch them be like, what, wait, what? No, that doesn't make any sense. What is going on? Like, perfect, doesn't make any sense. That's the phrase I expect to hear perfect, over and over. And perfect. Over again, yeah. Like I like right, I would well, enjoy doing that. So maybe it much. would work if I brought in a group of people who had not seen the film. Right. Uh, for me, I, by halfway through and knowing what the premise was and what the big twist was, I wanted it to go full tilt. I wanted it to be, <laughs> bonkers okay and unfortunately i just don't i think they honestly thought they were onto something profound and something oh, so it's, and it's definitely not profound and it's not <laughs> no. but i think they honestly thought it would be okay and i wanted them to embrace the campiness of it that it could have gone to in that in the second half of the film and i think mcconaughey tries to bring the camp to it at times later in the film. Oh, I, I think, I he think he's maybe he a little into it. I just don't think any of the other characters are. Okay. So and, yeah. let's go ahead and say, cause it, it is hard to talk about. All right. We are going to spoil it right now. We're, we're going to it. So okay. if you want to go into this, like I did, which may means you may actually enjoy it. Can we, even though, even can, though it is a bad film, listen, can we just skip to, the can news? we just real quick before we spoil it, before everybody skips ahead, can we just say, okay, the film is on the surface. When you start watching it, you have these two characters. They're on an island. Yes, Plymouth living island. in an island, Plymouth Island. Plymouth Island, and you know there's there uh, Matthew McConaughey's Baker Dill, which love the name. Yep. Um, and there's something to that. By the way, we'll get to. And uh, Anne Hathaway plays Karen, like you already mentioned. Yeah. Well, you know, it's the dynamics there. Matthew McConaughey is kind of this. Uh, and if you watch the trailer, Islander guy, all that set up. Well, the trailer really plays it up as a thriller. There's right. going to be a planned murder. There's going to be some some romantic involvement. And yeah, and that's really about all you can really get into at that point. So 
Um, she and I think you can say Anne Hathaway wants you know it's his ex wife. She comes yeah, to we island. Can say that. That's, she comes to island. And says, "Hey, I want you to kill my husband for me, my yeah. current husband." They have a child together. They we do. can say that as well. That's that's revealed pretty early on. Yeah. So they have a child together, and that drives Anne a lot of the drama and between them. Yes, do, yeah. and they have a lot of there's a, that drives a lot of the drama later in the film or the twist itself too. So right. leave it at that. So okay. now we can spoil it. So now skip ahead if you don't want this spoiler okay. for you. <laughs> Oh boy! Yeah, this is this is awesome. Two movies in a row you and I've disagreed on. First, Gloria Bell. Now, Serena well, Bell. I don't think we disagree. It's the level of disagreement we have on this. It, <laughs> it's the level is how 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 close or far apart are we with the same basic opinion that this is not a good film? Okay. Do you want to describe the twist? Or it, you, want- let me let me do this. Okay. I, I can I can sum it up here. So, okay. what we learn about a little more than halfway through the film. Oh, I, yeah. Definitely. I mean, is that um, two thirds probably Matthew McConaughey starts to find out from some of the other characters informing him that he is actually in a video game. He is a com- character in a world that has been built by his son on the computer. Correct. Where he is a character yep. whose whole purpose in life is to try to catch this really big fish. And we see him trying to catch this big fish early in the film. He's on a couple fishing expeditions and, you know, he's like, oh, he's supposed to be the one like taking people out that they can fish. But then, oh, I see the big fish. I got to try to catch the big fish. And we don't really know what's going on. It seems a little obsessive. But now we find out he's a character that's kind of been programmed to do that. So now this world has been set up. (laughs) This, This world that's been created on the computer Supposedly has a no killing rule. Can we mention how disturbing it is that his son set it up and oh. he's in nude a lot of it? Oh, and oh. that his son is I'm set up so getting that he there, has Chris. sex with the ex-wife. I'm getting there, okay, Chris. Good. That good. is going to. Oh, I'm getting into that in a minute. <laughs> this is a world that supposedly has a rule of no killing, which is something we are told by some of the other characters in kind of an odd, kind not, of an odd yeah, way. Yeah. And honestly, you know, if you've ever played video games, especially these ones where it's kind of world building, where you're going out exploring lands and interacting with other characters there, this, this world is filled with what NPCs, non-player characters. Gotcha. So like created on the computer to interact with our main character and to give them information and to help steer them on their quest. So that's why they're constantly saying, Go get the big fish. You need to go find the big fish. You know, and he <laughs> goes to Diane Lane, who is in the film, goes to her house, and they have uh, sex quite often. Yes. And it's almost like she's there to give him money. So that's the way he earns money in the game. <laughs> Rich Stegan, <laughs> this is developed by his young yes. son. I think he's definitely not high school age. He's like oh, no. middle school age. No, he's, he's really smart. 12. And yeah, okay. So let's just clarify that. His son has programmed the fact that he's having like his random acts of sex. His father is having random acts of sex with this woman who then pays him money. And that's how he makes money. Correct. In the game. In the, well, and takes people out fishing. He does take people out fishing, but that doesn't seem to be very successful no. for him. Cause he normally, <laughs> no, it does. This movie is so much fun. <laughs> so, all right. And so we, that's what we find out. And so everybody else in the game seems to know this and right. slowly kind of clues Baker Dill mm-hmm. into this. Right. Baker himself doesn't understand it and has to kind of come to this realization, but he also occasionally hears voices, <laughs> which we find out is the kid mm-hmm. talking to him through the game. Oh, the first time that's done. Yeah. That was my first thing. I was like, 
Okay. Yeah, something, something's up. <laughs> Something is up yeah. and not being handled well screen-wise, so, screenwriting So the son, <laughs> you know, Anne Hathaway, the mother, as Karen, in real life, Karen is married to a guy. A, 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 a man who is pretty bad. He, he, he's, he abusive. Yeah, he, he's abusive. He, and he's also really bad to the kid, too. Jason Clark is Yeah, Jason Clark plays, uh, plays Frank. Frank. So now the kid in the computer game... Wants his father, who, by the way, his father is dead in real life. He was a... Uh, um, We're spoiling that, uh, right. Yeah, Iraqi war, uh, uh, died in a war, I believe. Yes. Okay. Yes. So his father's passed away, but he's so recreated did, his father in okay, the game. So important point there. They were divorced in real life, or they were not divorced, and he died, and then she got remarried? I don't know. Don't know. Because that's something... The, the, I, I don't think the film really gives us that information. We just know that Karen is now married to this Frank guy. Frank's a jerk. Right. Bad to both of them. I think I think I think he died and then she remarried. Okay. Well, I that think that would make sense. Because they they set it up so that Baker Dill ends up being like the perfect human being and like yeah. glorifying him too much. So I think he he had to have died okay. and then she remarried. So the the kid, the son, basically starts putting thoughts into Baker's head. Or no, no. Karen in the game the Karen character <laughs> approaches Baker and asks him to kill her husband, who Frank is in the game too. Correct. And, but see, that doesn't and work Baker, because the son would have to be programming the I wife know, to say this. I know. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes. So Baker at first doesn't want to do it, but then everybody, and then basically he meets Frank. Frank is pretty bad. Yep. And then he starts to get the idea that maybe Frank has been bad to his son. Correct. So he's like, okay, fine. I will kill him. And so they go out on a boat and, you know, uh, hijinks happen there. But, okay. <laughs> Where do I go but he doesn't, he doesn't kill him, though. No, he doesn't. You're right. Come, Yeah, yeah. Uh, who, oh, that's right. Oh, that's right. So then. The fish. The fish, Alan. No, but yeah, we've all. And, and then we find out again. We're spoiling everything. And that's fine. Right. We find out at the end of the film that the son in real life has killed Frank. Yes. Stabs him. Stabs him. Mm -hmm. But then there's an odd sequence where somehow the son is now in the game visiting his father. Because he's in prison and apparently they don't take the computer away from him, which you would think they would because this is what led him to then kill, yeah. kill the guy. But they let him so continue how, working on the computer program. So he programmed himself into the game. He programs himself into the All game right. so that he can meet his father. And that's yeah. the end of the movie. And that's it. So they were, we've really spoiled it. But it's all a computer game. It, it's all a computer See, so the thing is, let's talk about how why this doesn't work. Well, let's talk, let's talk about some of the reasons. Uh, some of the reasons why I like it. Okay, I think we've right. thrown That's out a fine. bunch of things that it. don't work. So, I and I think you'll agree with a lot of them. It's just I ended up having a better experience. I think because I didn't know the twist. I didn't know yeah, what. The, I, I think you're right. I didn't know what the heck was going on. Chris, I'm never going to read a spoiler about a film again. <laughs> And I never I, do. As I, a, I, I think I, that's going to be that's my takeaway from this experience. Because like, you were intrigued, but you're yeah. like, oh well, they say it's bad. Like, no, just go ahead and you know, red box. It for I, I, I should have. I should have just watched so, it. Yeah, I admire the desire, and I know you're gonna you're you're not in your head already. Yep. I haven't even finished. I admire the desire to give viewers something that is unique. Instead of driving safely and staying in the thriller lane, absolutely. If it had driven safely in the thriller lane. This would be a one star, half star film for me because it is terrible. But what it tried to do was throw the twist that doesn't work. That's problematic for several reasons. But I admire for them at least 
trying no, something different. I, I, you know, I, I, I wrote yeah, right here in my notes, yeah. likes, I admire any film that's willing to try to do something different and play against expectations. And actually, I think Happy all the that. actors, given what they had to work with, I think Matthew McConaughey is pretty good. <laughs> um, but I just think they kind of don't know what they're doing. Anne Hathaway, yeah. You know, I thought she was pretty weak. She, um, she was maybe kind again, of I just Diane Lane, I think, A, looked amazing in this film. Mm-hmm. And B, I think she was doing a good job with what she well, had Well, okay, so with. the Diane Lane character here, the thing that bugged me is that, okay, if, if she is a true character in the game. Right. And I love the idea that, okay, we only see her in her house. And that's cool. He goes to the house. He has sex with her. He gets paid. That's his interaction with in the game. He gets to see her sometimes because he brings her cat back to her. <laughs> right. So it's like a mission. It's like the mission yeah. is you find bring the cat, cat you bring it to the cat woman and you have sex with her and you get paid. Oh, so yeah, cause she's older and she's yes. the crazy cat lady. There you go. Okay. But then it. there's like a point later in the film where she shows up at his house and all that. I'm like, Whoa, 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 no, 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 you, no. You're a character that stays in your house. So anyway, right. there's little things like that that start to break down, but I, I, I agree. She, I thought she was pretty good. And I think, this film looks great. I mean, it's shot really well. It's slick. There's some crazy editing and stuff, but it's, you know, it's, it's probably, you can tell it was a bigger budget so, film. Okay. So did you, there are some interesting editing choices where they do jumps and kind of, yeah. yes. Well, actually when they introduce characters, I don't know if you notice this or not. Like when a character kind of walks into a scene it's this almost like the camera like swoosh goes around to the front. Yeah. It's a very video, video game. gamey. And see, conceit. that's kind of the stuff I was talking about. And I didn't know why they were doing it. Yeah. And now hearing what you're saying, I'm like, yeah, you're right. That does make sense because that's a very video game thing. So, and you know, the, the concept at the very beginning of yeah. the film, the very first thing you see is like a boy's face and it zooms into his eye and you're like, okay. Like yeah. that. And then the film starts. But then as you play out, it's like, okay, that was his son the whole time. So the clues are there. I just think the problem is in the problems in the script, the problems in the logic and the the script script. and the logic. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and that's my whole issue. Cause I don't think it's the director. You know, I think he did lock, which if you can direct a 90 minute movie with one actor talking on a phone and a car, which, you know, I didn't love that film, but it was okay. He's, he's got the skill to be a director. The actors were good. The cinematography was good. But yes, something about the logic behind the screenplay. Yeah. Well, I think the whole gaps in logic, there's a couple to them. One, it is a, this is an incredibly uh, detailed and high, high degree of difficulty game for a 12 year old kid to be programming. Oh yeah. He's a a genius and spends all of his time in his room. That's fine. But he doesn't go out. I'm still saying to create a character's, it's one thing to create a game where you've he's got characters. He's giving them AI, of, but he's giving his father's character self awareness. Yes. He's yeah. giving he's his giving character, them AI. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's that's mind boggling. Okay, right. the fact that you know, if you want to create a game, I love this concept of yeah, I created a game, and it's people I know from my life, and they interact with each other. I get to kind of work out my own anxieties through these characters. That's cool, right? But then to make the main character Baker Dill be someone who's not aware they're in a game. And then come to find out they are, but they're still just a computer character <laughs> that programmed by a 12 year old kid. And that whole logic starts to fall apart. Oh. Then, like you mentioned earlier, this is a 12 year old kid programming his parents yeah. to not only have extremely rough sexual relations oh, with one yeah. another, but yeah. also random sexual relationships with other people. Yeah, it's, it's troubling. 
So why? And then then he gets to visit his dad swimming nude in the water. <laughs> Just weird. Very troubling. Yeah. And then, you know, it's okay, a- you create a world and supposedly this world has a rule of no killing. That's mentioned by a couple of the characters that sometimes there's no killing here. We don't kill in silent, whatever. Mm-hmm. And you realize that's a rule that was put in the game. But then the son is basically giving instructions to his father to disregard his quest of trying to be, catch the big fish and now go kill this guy. Right. And I don't understand the logic there of like how that mm-hmm. reconciles in the film. Um, and I think you keyed into something which if others in this film had – then maybe it would play up the camp factor, which might be kind of troubling because it is R rated. There is like a lot of sex and that stuff. So, but McConaughey sometimes gives this kind of like laugh, you know, kind of like, like that, you know, he's kind of like people are trying to tell him to do stuff and he's kind of disregarding what they're telling him. And he seems like he's trying to veer down the crazy, like, I, I don't know, I don't hint know. at something. But yeah, nobody else is definitely on the same <laughs> score sheet as he is. No, no. And then I guess kind of the, at the end of the day, you know, trying to think what could have made this film work. And I think I've got it. I think I figured it out. Okay. If you take the son character, mm-hmm. make him a lot older. Yeah. That, okay? I was like, going to say the same thing. Make him late 20s, yeah. 30, and put it in the future. Okay. Well, the whole film we've been watching is looks like present day, and it's this island and all that. Right. But then we find out we're actually in the future. Right. The son has gone through a lot of trauma because of stepfather and his father's death and all that. He basically created a VR world right. to kind of reconcile his to own. To give him therapy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That Fine. works. And, and it could have been a cool surprise later in the film. Just don't realize have your parents that. having sex. Cause no, that's so just- and skip that one well, part and it'd be fine. But at least if he was like, you know, 20, 30 years old, you're like, okay, it's still a little twisted, but at least he's an adult and he knows this is going on. So he's going to let the characters do it. <laughs> right. But when you're 12 and you're basically programming your, your parents to do this stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's, that's disturbing. Troubling. So yeah, that's, I think the film could have worked. Cause I think the premise is interesting. Just the execution of it was just so poorly done. So yeah. <sighs> well, I'll say kind of my, my summary for me is it's which I kind of, you know, tip my hat to was that for me, it is the definitive turn your brain off. If you're looking for something different, it's a B movie, fun Friday night to have people over, get the red box rental <laughs> and just watch their reactions. And my line for the never happening criterion collection release yep. of this movie okay. would be the old man in the sea reimagined as a wackadoodle black mirror episode. No, okay, that actually works. Because actually in the early going of this thing, I was like, huh, this is a thriller, but they're playing off the whole old man in the sea. This guy's obsessed with the fish and goes out and goes out and try like, like a Moby Dick old man in the sea. I'm like, okay, that's not what I thought I was signing up for, but okay. you know. <laughs> and then of course it takes a turn and you're like, what the heck's going on? So yeah. Well, I will say this film, this film is worth a watch. If what if we describe this whole film to you and you still want to see it, then yes, Yo, you need you need to go see this. And film. I think it's you, at Redbox, so yeah, it'll cost you a dollar, a dollar and a half. Watch it. <laughs> so. um, if you like the idea of Matthew McConaughey screaming to the sky <laughs> at least on two, if not three occasions, ah, yeah, um, bring me the rod. Bring, <laughs> yeah, it's like Nicholas Cage <laughs> screaming. That's what that guy it was is. saying on Letterboxd. It is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. You know, the, the reviews came out about this and people were just bashing it left right. and right and talking about how ridiculous the twist is and all. I don't think the twist is ridiculous. Again, I think what's ridiculous it's is handled the, correctly how, how the twist is handled sure. and the writing behind it is the problem. Uh, I think the concept is actually kind of intriguing. So uh, 
just needed to be handled a different way. And I think I think our enjoyment would have been the same had you not spoiled If I had gone into it blind, yeah. I know. I have I will I will not read spoilers anymore. This is this <laughs> this experience has taught me that I could have had a much fun, better fun time right. with a movie if I didn't know what it was going on going into it. So Fair all right. That is Serenity. <laughs> we'll not be making our best of the year list probably at the end of the year, I can't imagine, unless the rest <laughs> of the year is just horrible films. Um, <laughs> but it is worth getting together with your friends I, you and watching what? it for fun. Or again, if you just want to see a really two really two or three really actually five or six really good actors not know what the heck going into a very bonkers film. So right. you know, something else I regret because our year end lists this may be could it's definitely a candidate for like my most unexpected like what's the biggest surprise big, yeah. biggest surprise because it was actually fun I had fun watching this movie my regret granted I would have had to pay more money mm-hmm. is if I actually saw this in the theater yeah because paying I 10 think bucks for this been, it would have been like a happening type thing because people and go like opening weekend which <laughs> I never would have done but like the theaters probably you know Matthew McConaughey there are probably a lot some people there people like Anne Hathaway theater would be packed and then people just going like what is going on and laughing at some of the things because you're like, this isn't me. Like, I would, I think that would have been interesting. That would have been really interesting. Yeah. Some All people right. walking out probably really mad. <laughs> <laughs> that is Serenity. Um, interesting watch. So yes. we are actually, we are giving a kind of a weird recommendation saying we think you ought to maybe check it out. Yeah. So, all right. So Chris, we're going to end up with our reviews. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we have a couple of news items. Continuing with the wackadoodle theme of the episode so far, <laughs> at least for this last review, going into a couple of interesting news items and then uh, ending up the show with our recommendations. You're listening to Foot Candle Films here on the TV. We'll be right back in just a moment. Hey guys, this is Mary Margaret from the Chick Chat Podcast. Are you interested in promoting your business to an online audience? Your advertisement could be right here on the Mesh Podcast Network. Head over to TheMesh.TV for more details. Welcome back to Foot Candle Films here on TheMesh.TV. Alan and Chris back with you after our reviews of Gloria Bell, which uh, Chris was more enthusiastic, positive on than I was. But uh, we're both saying it's, it's worth a watch. And then Serenity, which we are both also saying is worth a watch, but for completely different reasons than maybe seeing Gloria Bell. So uh, it's definitely worth a, the $1 Redbox rental, as I think Chris is uh, uh, a claim on that. I think I may put a – you know, we've talked about Letterbox. That's where I borrowed that review. This could be probably the first and likely the only – one or two star review that I'm actually going to give a little heart to. Oh, so yeah, well. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Rate it low. It's not, but good. say that you liked I, it, I you liked enjoy it. it. Yeah, yeah. because okay. that's the only way to really be. communicate that. Could be. All right, let's get into a couple of news items. I've just got two news items for you, but both of them, like I said in the in the beginning of the show, I feel like are in the what is going on category of things. I don't get Entertainment Weekly anymore because I don't get magazines in there. But this is my instance where I used to love that magazine because I got movie mm-hmm. news. And now I get to come in here and be surprised. Yeah. And I don't have to pay a subscription. I am your Entertainment so. Weekly now. so <laughs> Exactly. So, Chris, we have talked several episodes over the past about Batman. Okay, I've heard of him. Yes. And I'm a fan. He's a character. He's yes. a comic book character. I'm not sure if you're, you're aware. Um, so... There's been a lot of behind-the-scenes drama with Batman in recent last couple years. Just to kind of rewind a bit, 
Um, you know, after the Christian Bale trilogy ended, which you know we I think we all agree was a really great take on Batman, and I think the uh, great box office, yeah, kind of a now as a ingrained in our film society is that's kind of a really uh, pertinent, important take on the character. Sure. So then they went the whole uh, shared universe, you know, DC universe thing, and they introduced Batman and the whole Superman Justice League thing. And just didn't go too well. Okay. Ben Affleck doing Ben Superman. Affleck as had, Batman. So he was Superman versus or Batman versus he Superman. He premiered in the Superman versus Batman or Batman versus Superman movie. He was in the Justice League movie. And then a tiny bit in Suicide tiny Squad. Tiny bit in Suicide Squad. So that was it. And that's it. Okay. And now Ben Affleck is done. He has <laughs> hung up the cowl. He is done. And I say good riddance because I, I didn't think he was that great. Um, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't. He, he wasn't didn't, horrible, but I just didn't. He think wasn't he, horrible, but he wasn't also. It's like okay. not after Michael Keaton, Christian Bale. I, no. Ben Affleck just does not fit in that lineage. There. And I don't think he's a bad actor. I just think. Uh, well, I, I do. don't. I do. Okay. Sorry, I'm just. I'm, I'm not criticizing <laughs> your choice. No, I'm no, saying no, no, I. No. I have a. But different I, I don't. I think it's fine. He left. I just think yeah. he. You know, just the writing just wasn't, wasn't working. there. It wouldn't work. Wasn't working. Yeah. So. Uh, I think last time we talked about this, I had my prediction. I had my hopes. On a Mr. John Ham. Bat Ham. Yes. I wanted hashtags done. I don't think it caught on <laughs> online. Come on. I tried checking the other day. Adam I don't down. think anybody was hashtagging Bat Ham. Maybe, maybe people were doing it with one M and I was checking it for two M's because John Ham's name is Absolutely. correct spelling. But uh, anyway, this week they have announced, and I'd say we're at 99% certainty on this, although it's not official Warner Brothers release, but every okay. news outlet is saying, yes, this is a done deal that the next Batman has been cast. It is Robert Pattinson. If you recall that guy is starting more as the twilight saga. Oh, he was the twilight dude. He's the twilight guy. However, since then he has done some really interesting film choices. He's just recently high life, high life. Um, he, well, gosh, I'm drawing a blank on some of the other films he's been in, but he's been in a good he half was in dozen. Cosmopolis. That yep. was the, yeah. So he's done some really interesting. He has not gone with a mainstream film. Oh, no. At all. No. Since the Twilight saga. Right. So I think this is a very interesting choice, very surprising choice for me. It's not someone at all I would have envisioned for this role. And I know there's been some jokes online, even just in the last 24 hours about, you know, here he's from Twilight Saga, the whole vampire thing and all that. But you know what? He's a good actor. Oh, I think. He is. And I kind of am now curious to see his take on the character. But they're obviously younger going Batman, younger. They've got to be going younger. I mean, Robert Pattinson is not very old. Sure. Um, now, from what I read is that he is a, a year or two older than Christian Bale was when Christian Bale started the Batman trilogy and hmm. Batman Begins. I think Christian Bell was 31 or so when he started Batman Begins. I think Robert Pattinson will be 33 when it comes around for him to be in the film. Okay. So he'll be about the same age that we saw Christian Bell. Christian Bell did play a younger Batman in that first Batman Begins movie. So right. Um, I'm very curious. I think it's a very interesting choice. Uh, the film is slated to be released in 2021. So we're still two years off and it is directed by Matt Reeves and Matt Reeves. You may know he, he, I think he got to start with Cloverfield, Oh, but then he did the, uh, the two most recent, uh, planet of the apes films. Oh, 
yeah. Okay. So, um, okay. I don't remember that. Is it War and Rise? Is that the two War of the Planet of the Apes and Rise of the Planet I of the can Apes? I never get those yeah. things to start. But yeah, okay, he's done the Planet of the Apes, oh, yeah. ones, which I I liked. They were well-made so, movies. Right. So he's got some action movie cred. He's got action movies with a little bit more to them than just, you know, action scenes. Right. I think he brings out some pretty good performances in his actors. Um, so that's the plan. It'll be called The Batman coming out in two years. Well, I think I do the magic of the internet. I've looked up some of his more recent films so we could, I didn't have to just stick Cosmopolis, which was one of the ones he did, but he also did the lost city of Z All right. and a good time. That was one oh, of the good time re- is the one I was trying to think of. One of the of, really yeah. recent ones that yeah. was just 2017 that got him a lot of acclaim. Wasn't there like a Western he was in recently too? Um, I don't know. There was the Rover, but that wasn't, that was like a, apocalyptic thing which was also good okay in the yeah rover. maybe that's what i'm thinking about, okay so, yeah yeah right. that he was he was getting the rover too so yeah i've i've had some robert pattinson filmatic cinematic experiences that were good so because okay. i actually have seen i believe the first twilight film i've not seen any and i i laughed throughout except I've not for seen at the end when i cried because they played a radiohead song and I cried because I was sad that they that played Radiohead song in the movie. Oh, and it gosh. was one of my it's one of the songs I like. And they licensed it to the film, so I cried. But uh, yeah, yes. that's no good. But, you know, I'm I am I like Matt Reeves as a director, Robert Pattinson because he makes interesting choices. I believe he is capable of giving us an interesting Batman. So um, I think he can play him very intense, which you know, uh, Batman's an intense character yeah, when, sure. when done right, and. Um, Oh, the other thing that Matt Reeves has done, uh, I forgot, is uh, he did Let Me In, which was the remake of the Let the Right One In. He right. directed Cloverfield, he directed, directed Let Me In, and then Dawn of the Planet of the Apes and War for the Planet of the Apes are the two. So he didn't do Rise. Rise, I guess, was the first one. Okay. And he did the second and third one, which I thought were good. Both really good. And I thought they were all good. Um, and then he before that, he did TV. Okay. Uh, before those four films. So, you know, yeah. You know, if you think about it, to go down the nerd route. Oh, he's a friends with J.J. Uh, Abrams. They were childhood uh, friends, grew up together. That's how he got involved in Cloverfield, because J.J. Gotcha. Abrams was producer on it. So, okay. Yeah. You know, to go down the nerd rabbit hole briefly, if you think about Batman, the character being in movies, you have the Tim Burton, which, you know, people, I generally liked, you know, people regarded them. Then after he did his two movies, then Batman went down yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know, you had Val Kilmer, you had George Clooney and it was like, okay, it was not good. Not good. And then you had Christopher Nolan rise back up and you had his three movies. Then you've had the three <laughs> movies fall back again. So I think it is time again for, it's like we're on a, a Batman does a roller coaster and I think it's going to go back up with Robert Pattinson. I would be happy just because as much as I like the dark Knight trilogy, the Christopher Nolan trilogy, I like it for what it is. It is definitely a much more realistic take on mm-hmm. Batman. Right. It puts a Batman in a more modern day, real city environment, a, a real, you know, and dealing with a lot more around him than than just costume super bad guys. I would love to see a little more classic take with a new saga. Go a little, uh, go a little, um, not go Tim Burton style. I have to go that way out, but can... Be a little more adventurous with the villains and a little more play up the comic book cliches a little bit more. Not to go Adam West style, 
But we already had the realism of the Dark Knight. I don't think we need to try to recreate that. I would love to see something a little bit more stylish, um, stylized version of the character somewhere in between the Christian Bale version and the uh, Tim Burton version is Hmm. what I would love to see. Hmm. Or even going something a little more retro kind of, I guess what I'm picturing is, you know, the animated series, the Batman, the animated series. Yeah. That to me is a great style of Batman storytelling that we haven't really seen done really exactly right on the film. I haven't felt like yet. Tim Burton was very much a Tim Burton style Batman. Um, then we got the really over campy done version. Joel Schumacher. Yeah. Then we got the ultra serious, very realistic version. So I want something kind of hmm. give me some style, but yet don't go camp with it. You know, I want something a little more interesting to, to watch. Uh, It'll be interesting too to see how this ends up. I mean, I know it's supposed to be a standalone picture, but it looks very dark. How this ends up pairing with the Joker that's coming out. Because isn't this film called The Batman? That's my understanding, yeah. The Batman. Okay. Um, yep. Interesting. So, yeah, very curious to see how this all plays out. But uh, Robert Pattinson, I was shocked, surprised, but yet I'm warming up to the idea, and I think he could actually be a really interesting choice for this. Now for the other story. <laughs> okay. Um, Chris, have you ever seen any of the Saul films? You know, I have not. And there's been like six, oh, seven. Yeah. And um, I feel like, you know, every Halloween here on the show, I usually recommend a horror film that I've caught up with. or I try to do that. I'm trying to make myself remember, maybe I will now, um, that I want to watch the original saw because I'm thinking there's got to be something there because there've been like a hundred you know, sequels and stuff. And the premise of it has always intrigued me because I know the premise and I like escape rooms. So, so okay. I'm kind of, yeah. So I have never seen any of the Saw movies, but I, I do want to actually go back and see, I want to see the first. So they're going to remake them. Um, let me just read. I'm going to read from the, the press release. Okay. Okay. Global content leader Lionsgate and twisted pictures will bring fans worldwide, a new level of deviously treacherous traps, clever clues and suspense as they partner with award-winning actor, director, and stand-up comedian Chris Rock to spin off and expand the world surrounding the hit billion-dollar Saul franchise. The first new film will be released. The first new film will be released October 2020. When Chris Rock came to us and described in chilling detail his fantastic vision that reimagines and spins off the world of the notorious Jigsaw Killer, we were all in. Saw is one of the highest grossing horror franchises of all time, and it's one of Lion Gate's most successful film series. This upcoming film will still be as mind-bending and as, in, as intense as all the previous Saw films. Chris conceived this idea, and it will be completely reverential, reverential to the legacy of the material while reinvigorating the brand with his wit, creative vision, and passion for this classic horror franchise. Chris Rock. So he's taking direct, on the he's, Saul he's franchise. He's directing it and yes. writing it? Yes. But is he starring in it? I don't know. Didn't say about acting. Just writing and directing. Yeah, that that is, <laughs> that is definitely from out of nowhere. Yep. I don't know how I feel about them throwing around the term classic, too. But Because um, how old is it? When did it come out? 90s? Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah. I'd- so he wrote the story. So I know where he has the story for what this new Saw franchise is going to be. Right. They did are bringing in screenplay to be done. Um, 
it's while the story is Chris Rock's, the screenplay itself is being left to the team that wrote the successful Jigsaw. Um, Which was like the latest yeah. Saw movie where it's just called Jigsaw, right? Okay, so all right. I'm sorry. Chris Rock is not directing the film. Okay. Darren Bousman is returning to direct after sitting the last few entries out. So it's really just Chris Rock has just got this idea. <laughs> he's like, this is what the Saw I franchise needs to be. Idea. And he's got okay. the story, and now they're going to take it and run with it. Okay, so here's my questions. Now knowing this, having read the article a little deeper, which I should have done before we recorded yeah. um, Knowing that he's not directing it and he's not writing the screenplay, he just wrote the story behind what's going on. Do you think they're trying to play off, trying to grab a little of the Jordan Peele energy right now uh, by saying, oh, you know what? Here's a really like popular comedian that people don't really associate with horror. He's known for being edgy. Known for being edgy. And now we're going to you know, kind of tap that energy. And here Chris Rock is a big fan of the Saw franchise, and he's got an idea. So we're going to put his name all over this. It's going to be branded as Chris Rock's Saul, you know. <laughs> and if they're trying to kind of grab a little bit of that same type of attention. Because yeah. right now, you know, Jordan Peele's two for two on right. horror films that are really good. And he's and doing the Twilight Zone. making a lot of movie. Right. Or making a lot of money. Right. And people is kind of in the zeitgeist of, the, of, the, uh, of society right now. I kind of feel like when I read this, I'm like, yeah, I think they're just trying to recreate some of that same level of enthusiasm. Yeah. And what worries me, too, is it just seems like, you know, because there have been so many films and I don't think Jigsaw necessarily made a lot of money, I think, when it came out. And there was a film that came out, I think, this year that I actually was kind of interested in because, as I mentioned, I I like escape rooms and it was called Escape Room. And I heard it was terrible. I still may watch it whenever it's on like (laughs) Netflix or something sure. like that, but uh, yeah. So that's what worries me. It just seems like, uh, you know, maybe he can provide a new premise or an interesting premise, but I don't know. <laughs> so I have to give it up to birthmoviesdeath.com that okay. I, where I read this uh, at first. I love their idea is they say, okay, so what if Chris Rock Saul is bringing in all of the Adam Sandler uh, grownups cast to be the victims? And I'm like, you know what? I actually think that's kind of funny. <laughs> Have David Spade, Adam Sandler. Yeah. Uh, who's the guy, the uh, Kevin. Um, Kevin Nealon? No, the, uh, he was on the King of Queens um, TV oh. show. Kevin, he's a um, zookeeper. James. Yeah, Kevin, Kevin James. James. Have those guys and they all be people that are uh, victims of the, the of Jigsaw. So that yeah. would be kind of funny. So <laughs> anyway, so like I said, two story art, stories for us to chew on that I thought were both were a little out of left field for me. One I'm happy about. One I'm I really don't know what to make of it. Yeah, that's um, bizarre. Yeah, it is. So that's our news for this episode. Um, now, Chris, you and I always end up the show by giving our recommendations. So this is a film that we've either caught up with recently or just kind of came back into our our recollection as something that we want to recommend to people. If you're looking for a film to catch up on over the weekend or just to fill some time, uh, we got a couple that you may want to consider. So Chris, you want to start us off and tell us your recommendation? Sure. So um, I'm going to recommend the Korean film from 2018. I think a lot of people were surprised that it didn't get nominated for best foreign film last year for the Oscars. Um, I'd heard a lot of people talking about it, but then didn't catch up with it. Uh, it was called burning and I'm recommending it because it's an unusual film. It's kind of like a take on um, The Great Gatsby, but done in Korea, (laughs) Mm -hmm. a reboot of it. And it's just really bizarre. It kind of centers around 
this guy named Jong Su. He bumps into this girl who he remembers from his neighborhood when he was little. They kind of start to form a relationship. Then she goes off and says, hey, take care of my cat. Here again, tying in a cat like we have with Serenity. <laughs> um, except yeah. this is really kind of a thriller, but kind of unusual thriller, just like uh, Serenity, if you can call it that. Um, she goes off on a trip. She comes back from this trip and she is dating this dude. It's kind of a great Gatsby character. He's okay. kind of, you know, has a lot of money. You're really kind of unsure what his, if he really loves her, you're kind of unsure what's going on. And it's just kind of a bizarre relationship. But then he likes hanging out with the guy character that, you know, was her, you know, kind of childhood friend. It's just really, it's a weird relationship triangle thing going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and the ending of this film, I did not see coming. Really? No. Nice. <laughs> um, not for the children. This is kind of violent. Yeah. Um, but um, or there's some violence in it. And the whole thing, the title of the film, comes from this interesting idea that um, the boyfriend or the guy that – the mysterious guy, I guess we'll call him that, mm-hmm. the mysterious man who comes back from Africa with the girl. He has this secret hobby of he loves to find – abandoned greenhouses and set them on fire and watch them burn. <laughs> and so that's where okay. the burning comes from. So it's, you know, it's got the slow paced kind of from yeah. Gloria Bell and the thriller aspect, except much better done <laughs> from Serenity. So it's, it's, um it's an interesting film from Korea from last year. And uh, I think it's worth checking out. So, okay. Very cool. It, no, that's definitely one I've been wanting to catch up with. So yeah, it's it's um, on uh, iTunes rental, and you can get it on Netflix. I think it's also Amazon. So great. It's worth checking out. Um, my recommendation, um, and, and Chris, you and I have talked about this off mic, but uh, I don't think we brought it up here on on the the podcast yet. I am a big sucker for concert films. Okay, love concert films when they're well well done. Doesn't even matter who the band is. Doesn't matter who the performer is. If it's a really good concert film, shot well, paced well, um, especially if the performance itself has some other artistic aspect to it besides just somebody playing and singing or performing, then that really works for me. Um, Stop Making Sense by the Mm -hmm. Talking Heads. Love it. Which I finally caught up with a year or two ago. And I was a huge fan of it when I finally caught up with it. It's great. And yeah. just it's so much artistry behind it. But yet the music's also good. And just whether you're a Talking Heads fan or not, you've got to admire the film for just how it's put together. Sure. I, I think we even both kind of gave a good passing review to the Justin Timberlake concert film about yeah. a year or two ago that mm-hmm. he did that was released online or HBO or online or somewhere. Uh, it was a Netflix thing. It was okay. one of Jonathan Demme's That's right. thingies. Yeah. And yeah. it was good. Again, I'm not a, a huge fan of the music. But I thought the performance and the way it was put together was really great. Sure. So it was with a lot of interest that I heard that Beyonce had come out with a concert film, uh, Homecoming. It was basically her Coachella performance from last year over two nights put together into a almost two-hour and 20-minute film where you have the entire concert, but then you also have some interesting cutaway sequences in between black and white film footage of, you know, them preparing for the performance or going through some efforts with her latest album and, and, and how that's coming together. I, I thought from a art standpoint, this, this is a fascinating performance to watch. A couple of things that are really interesting is it's shot over two nights. Mm-hmm. So she put on the same performance two nights in a row. Um, but they wore different costumes both nights. So one night they're wearing yellow, all the band and the, the performers behind her are wearing yellow. The next night it's pink. 
in the film, they cut them together. So you're in the middle of a song and all of a sudden everybody's <laughs> clothes change. You're like, what? And you don't really know what's going on. But the fact is they edited it and put it together so seamless that, I mean, it looks like a special effect. But mm-hmm. of course it's not. It's just that's the way they made the film with two nights of filming. Two, you have a performance where it's an interesting stage where it's a giant wall behind her of, of bleachers almost, almost like a yeah, stadium bleachers. Absolutely bleachers. And it's rows and rows of uh, college uh, marching band performers and dancers. And the whole thing is geared towards this kind of more um, historically black college and universities um, really playing up the energy of those marching bands and those performers. So you've got this whole wall of people behind her that are just as engaging and entertaining to watch as Beyonce herself. And how choreographed, of course, is amazing as you would expect with any of these concerts. Right. So you've got, to me, a perfect combination of the music is being performed by the the marching bands. So everything has that marching band sound with the horns and the drums all throughout the music. And just, again, I'm always fascinated when I see people performing for two plus hours heavily choreographed and everything just looks flawless and so well shot and so well, well directed. So I think it's a really interesting concert film to watch. Again, I'm not a Beyonce fan as much, (laughs) you know, not, I think she's very talented. I think the music's really good. I just, you know, it's not my music that I enjoy and will listen to in my car, but I, it says something for you when the concert film starts and you find yourself wrapped in to the music, even if you've never heard some of the songs before. And it's just a great performance to watch. So I do recommend homecoming. I think it's a really interesting film to watch if you're into concert films at all. And, uh, very, very well done. And, uh, yeah, I mean, just even like the opening sequence, uh, leading up to the first song, crazy in love, just great. I mean, the whole way they build that up, and when it kicks into that song that everybody knows, just the energy behind it is so, so wonderful. So anyway, that's my recommendation. I know you caught up with it. I, think, I saw your letterbox rating. You liked it. I did. Um, curiously, some of the stuff that I felt like – some of the stuff didn't work for me because okay. I felt it was being too um, going to be artsy. Yeah. Um, I liked all the concert stuff. That was all good. The behind-the-scenes stuff worked for me. They went black and white. That's fine. Something about the narration seemed a little stilted because it sounded like Beyonce had smoked eight packs of cigarettes and was calling in on a conference call. Mm-hmm. And like there's something about the, like, the way the audio was like distorted or whatever. It was like they were trying to give you this feel of it was a hundred years ago or something like that. She's recalling all this. I don't, something about that didn't work for me. Okay. Uh, and then another thing that didn't work for me, although I think it did for you, was for some reason they have all this beautiful HD widescreen footage that they're all shooting at this concert. They're cutting back and forth between two nights. Mm -hmm. The only thing I can think they did it is they did it to cover when they didn't have something else. They cut to some like high eight or super eight footage of like, and like, why are you shooting that? Because this isn't a 1970s. This isn't the last waltz. There's nothing. It doesn't look great. It looks mm. to me. It looks dumb. You're losing the resolute or the you're losing the screen image because it's getting cropped down. I was like, I don't, I don't get it. Unless there, I mean, yeah, I, I just, I don't get it. It just, it was distracting for me. I'm like, no, I want to, I want to see the full image. Go back mm. to the HD sure. stuff. Yeah. So I, I found that 
frustrating. But I, I, not to take away from it, I did like the film. I think it is worth a watch. But there were a couple of things that kept me from just being over the moon. About so I'll it. say, um, and, and not to not to contradict you, I think some of the narration you were hearing was actually meant to be other people. Um, oh, really? Because supposedly Maya Angelou. Oh, no, 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 no. Not You're not talking quotes, about those. Not the quotes. No, oh. no, 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 no. I'm talking about when it was obviously Beyonce. Oh, really? Oh, okay. No, no, I'm no, sorry. no, 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 no. Okay. No, I, gotcha. I'm not talking about the quotes. No. Oh, yeah. I see. No, that's fine. Just no, because sure that, yeah. that plays into the whole HBCU yeah, thing. And right. like they put quotes up on screen as well. No, 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 no. Okay. Not that. This is like Beyonce talking about, oh, I had a hard time in my pregnancy. Yeah. I was, oh, was I see. Like, what is happening here? It just doesn't. And maybe she walked off stage after doing the second night. And they're like, hey, we want you to just talk about some recollections that you can put a voiceover. And she's like, okay, maybe she was hoarse because she just sang for two nights in a row. Like, I don't know. It just, it was jarring to me. Okay. All right. So, Fair enough. Yeah. It's, weird. it's an, it's an interesting concert film. Yeah. And I think a lot of energy, a lot of passion in it. And, uh, it's definitely infectious, you know? Oh, yeah. And you, I admire all the hard work and they show you the behind the scenes, what it took to get this thing to Coachella. Mm-hmm. And honestly, also amazing happened in 2018. I think they put it out this year on Netflix about the same time that Coachella was happening. Again. Yeah, they did. They kind so of it timed like it. Basically, to where, had yeah. a year. So mm-hmm. just you know, an artistic achievement, and it was it was int- It's definitely worth catching up to. Cool. So that's our recommendations. You've got Burning uh, available online and Homecoming on Netflix specifically that we do recommend checking out uh, when you're looking for something to fill your your movie going time. And that wraps up our show for today. So we had our reviews of Gloria Bell. We had our review of Serenity. We talked about the new Batman casting and we talked about uh, the new Saul franchise (laughs) rebooted with Chris Rock. I just wanted Uh, to say like, saw a Chris rock joint. That's what, yeah. Well, what, I mean, kind of playing that angle a little bit and then our recommendations here at the end. So Chris, anybody who uh, wants to correspond with us, have some uh, feedback to anything that we, uh, we said during the show wants to give any of their own opinions. How, uh, how do we recommend they do so? So you can send us an email to info at the mesh TV with foot candle in the subject line. You can also uh, follow us on letterbox.com, and that's without the – it's just letter, B-O-X-D, dot com. Uh, we both write reviews and stuff on there from time to time. Well, I, I log the films Alan I see. I don't not always necessarily review them. I will give them a star rating. <laughs> I'm but, a bit um, more active, I guess, on Letterbox. You normally um, have some nice things to we're say. We're also uh, – we are on Twitter, uh, at, at Chris Fry, at Alan Jackson, and there's also at Foot Candle Film where you can – follow us on there as well. And, you know, tell us, you know, give us messages on there and tell us what you like. We were obviously us. so far ahead of the Twitter game when it got started that we that have we our actual have our names. names. That's right. True. Which is this pretty is amazing. People are still amazed when I tell them that. <laughs> but yes, I am at Alan Jackson. You are at Chris Fry. Perfect. And one day the country music star may decide to buy it from me. I am. I'm open to discussions. <laughs> He's waiting. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, my cell phone's sitting by my side waiting. So, Call me anytime. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes. You'd leave a star rating or a review to help us reach new listeners. Um, I would like to say that if you happen to be following us on, or you are subscribed in iTunes and you only have the recent shows, I think they only go back a certain number. I'm not sure how many, but they only go back. They only archive so many shows on through iTunes. But if you go to the mesh.tv and you find our show, Foot Candle Films, on there, 
We have every single show we've done, starting with our first in 2011, which was a review of Win Win. Oh, so yeah. Good it's times. all it's all back Good there. Times. So you can go back and listen to how rough we were when we first started out and what polished people we are today. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but anyways, uh, those are a couple of ways you can uh, see pa- or listen to past shows and keep in contact with us if you would like. Last thing I'll do is I will plug our 2019 Foot Candle Film Festival that's happening this year from September 27th to the 29th. If you are in beautiful Hickory, North Carolina, in the western part of North Carolina, uh, it's something to definitely check out during uh, the late part of September. Yeah, we're we're really excited. We're uh, our we have uh, you know, committees reviewing a lot of film submissions, and we're looking forward to announcing probably in uh, mid July mm-hmm. um, our slate of films for the festival weekend. Tickets will also go on sale about mid July time once that's announced, and. Uh, yeah, like Chris said, if you happen to be in the area or want to come visit for the weekend, we have a really good time. It's a lot of fun visiting filmmakers from around the world. Uh, a nice variety of films, a great community here of people that are really passionate about enjoying interesting films and discussing them afterwards. So uh, we are looking forward to it. It should be a great weekend. All right, Chris. Uh, with that, we will wrap up this uh, podcast episode. You have been listening to Foot Candle Films here on the TV. And we'll look forward to talking to you next time. See you in the ticket line. Special thanks to Carpal Taller for the show theme music. For more about Carpal Taller, visit www.carpaltaller.com. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.